Welcome to the LifeCast. We hope that you find this ministry of New Life Assembly of God as an encouragement to you. You will hear messages and lessons in God's Word by our staff and special guests. Enjoy the podcast. Well, New Year's Day. Today, for us and the calendar that we operate by, um, what I want to do this morning Um, When I say I want, I'm wanting what I sense the Lord is directing us to do. So um, it's not like I feel he gave me something and I said, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do what I want. You can take the day off. Oh, please, God, don't ever take the day off in my life. Please don't. Yeah, amen is right. You know me. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Um, what, I'd, what, I'd, what I'd like to do is look at the Jewish mindset, Hebrew people, and what the emphasis in what we know as God's people, when we look at Scripture and how he um, refers to them, um, who are God's people, Jewish people, Hebrew heritage, and um, what their thought and maybe ritual is when they look at their new year. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that uh, Jewish people don't celebrate on January 1st as a new year, but understand their calendar in biblical times and in Jewish Orthodox, their calendar is different than ours. So their new year, uh, well, this last year in 2022, Um, It started on the evening of September 25th to the evening of September 27th, known as Rosh Hashanah. You've probably heard of it. If you haven't, now you have. And so um, I want us to look at when they um, acknowledge Rosh Hashanah or the new year and something, there's several things that they do, but I want us to look at one thing that they do, and we're going to pull that out and apply that through Scripture in our life, okay? And so we're going to look at this mindset and something they do on Rosh Hashanah that one of the first two days, okay, it like I said, at the, the first two days of Rosh Hashanah was September, uh, the evening of the 25th, and through the evening of the 27th. Now, what I'm going to talk to you about that they do, Tashlich, uh, okay? That was my Hebrew. How'd I do? Please tell me it was okay. <laughs> of course, <laughs> you Gentiles, you'd say, oh, yeah, it sounds good. Uh, um, we'll just do it the English way and refer to it as Tashlich. Um, it's something they recommend that you do the first two days of Rosh Hashanah. There are other times that you can do it um, prior to or up to Yom Kippur, but um, this, this act, I want us to, to, you to look at this, and some of you may be aware of this, and some may not. You may not know the history on this, but um, the first day, second day maybe, depending on where they're at and how they do Rosh Hashanah, and um, after uh, the Rosh Hashanah meal, they go and they go to 
a river. And um, they used to, now some of this through time has changed a little bit, but they used to take and um, throw food in the river. Now, I'm not talking about like, you know, a 20-pound turkey here. <laughs> um, they would take the crumbs from their meal or some bread, and they would throw it in the river. Um, for some, they would go and they would take their cloak, and they would take and turn the pocket inside out and empty their pocket and dust that off and get everything out of their pocket, not holding anything back, that it would be clean. Um, there's been some changes and have, through time, like most traditions, uh, most rituals, uh, they may carry them out, but things change over time. They don't, they don't want you to throw food in the river anymore and feed the fish, okay? So now what they do is they just take the corner of their cloak or their whatever they're wearing, and they just shake it over the water as a representation, an act of this ritual and, and what it means. And so they get this um, from in Scripture where we look at Micah in the Old Testament. And in the seventh chapter, it reads like this. This is, this is the, the foundation that they use for this, this act of worship. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? In other words, there's no other God like you that, that does this. So rich in mercy. It says, he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast, say cast, that's a really important word in this passage. You will cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. In the late 1300s, early 1400s, there's a rabbi who tells this story, okay? It's not in the scripture. This rabbi tells this story. And don't know when this story really started or if it's legend or whatever it is. This story was written and it has influenced and started really this whole act of uh, uh, Tashlik during Rosh Hashanah. And the story goes like this, that Abraham, now you will find this biblical portion, a reference to Abraham and Isaac, okay, in Genesis 22. We know Isaac is the son of promise. Uh, God promised that uh, Abraham and Sarah would have a son, and he grows for a while, and he's a young boy, and then um, the Abraham and Isaac make this journey, and he is going to sacrifice Isaac to God. God called him and directed him to do it. Now we know that God rescues and stops the slaying of Isaac and provides a sacrifice, a ram. You could read about it in Genesis 22. 
But the story that this rabbi um, moves along is from that history. And the story goes, okay, remember this is not in Scripture, but the story goes that Abraham and Isaac were on their way to, in, in the language, one of the key words there is they were, he was going to bind him or binding, binding a sacrifice. And so they, 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 he was on his way to do this binding, okay, of a sacrifice, uh, binding his relationship and faith in God. And so as they are on their way, the story says that Satan appeared to them and he took on the form of a river. Now this is in the Jewish Rosh Hashanah, Tashlik understanding, okay? This is where this comes from. And as they were on their way, Abraham was on his way to sacrifice Isaac. And of course, Isaac didn't know that he was going to be sacrificed. Abraham is... Obeying God, taking steps of faith, making the journey, putting everything in place. And the devil shows up and he takes on the form of this river that goes in front where they could not pass to go to the place of sacrifice. And the story says that Abraham leaped himself into the river, the rushing waters. He was diligent with his faith. He was going to obey God at, at all costs. And so he jumps in the river, and when he does this, the story says that he recited Isaiah 69. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's verse 2. It says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my soul. Now, come up to my soul is a very interesting phrase. In other words, the challenge has come up to a place where it's affecting my feelings and my thoughts. Have you ever uh, had a real commitment to the Lord or to somebody or to something or a plan, and you start to go ahead with it, and all of a sudden it gets really hard, right? It gets really hard, and it starts to affect how you feel about what you're doing, uh, maybe second thoughts, it's affecting your mind, all of that, where now maybe, uh, maybe I'm not supposed to do this, or this is a little dangerous, or this is a little too hard, or this is taking too much out of me. It, he's saying, God, the waters have risen up to my soul. Uh, in your, your, you're my commitment. I've, I've set out to obey you, but uh, the enemy has come. And I might start to have some doubts. So, Lord, rescue me from the waters. They've risen to my soul. And God responds, and he dries up the river. And they walk across on dry ground. And so they take this passage, or this story, and they take it out of this passage and connect some things that lead them to this um, ritual or tradition of going to a river or some water that has current. Um, some places in the scripture it'll say sea. Some place that has depth where what we throw in gets lost. It gets washed away. And so here is this thing that they do recommended on the first or second day of Rosh Hashanah. 
And uh, they look at this, and the reason they do this, okay, this whole throwing of bread or emptying a pocket or taking its context and totally cleaning it, not holding back anything, is that it is this act of wanting God's forgiveness. I empty myself out. I throw everything out. This is the start of a new year. And I want to start it clean. Whatever this last year has been in my life or compromises or sin or whatever it is, I I want to unload it. Resentment, anger, all those things. I want to put it in the river. I want it to be swept away. I want it to go down to the depths where it's not something that can be found. It's not something that's retrievable. It's gone. You see, the reason they do this is their hope is that God would look at their father Abraham and would grant forgiveness to them because of the merit of Abraham's faith and faithfulness. On Abraham's merit. We are his children, God, Abraham's seed, and based upon his merit, we're hoping that you would forgive us of our sin. That interesting. So they do this act, and you and I know on this side of knowledge and the progression of God's word, and because of the New Testament and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know that our sins can be swept away, all of them, if we hold nothing back. Hold nothing back. I think it's, it's fairly reasonable that most of us can work through the confessing of sins to God, things we've done, things we've said, wrong attitudes. We can get to a place in our privacy with God and confess those things. I think sometimes what we hold back that we don't notice, and there could be other things, but I want to bring this to our attention, that sometimes the way that we treat people who have sinned against us. We feel justified to treat them a certain way because after all, they started it. And it was their sin. And it was them who offended me. And them who hurt me. They, gave, they treated me with some abuse or injustice or whatever it is. And so our response to that if it is not Christ-like, then it is sin to us. And we hold that back because we feel it's our right. I want to submit this to you this morning for your own inspection of yourself because we're going to communion, which has to do with acknowledging Christ and the forgiveness of sin and not holding anything back. Because if we don't thoroughly inspect ourselves and we hold something back, In the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that Paul writes, it says we're supposed to inventory ourselves, take inspection, examine ourselves before we eat the bread or drink the cup so that we don't do it in an unworthy manner. Otherwise, we're guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And if we don't judge ourselves, we will come under judgment. So if we hold something back, 
and eat the bread and drink the cup, even though we've confessed other sin. But we hold this back. Anything. We now eat the bread and drink the cup in an unworthy manner. And yet we came here this morning, most of us, to worship the Lord, to know Him, to acknowledge Him, to, to take Him in, to be close to Him, to give Him expressions of worship and praise and faith. And now there's a point in the service that we hold something back. That doesn't make sense when we stop and think about it. So this morning, when you examine yourself, be thorough. Everything. Because if we don't, and we eat the bread and drink the cup, we bring judgment on ourselves. It's not something that God did, it's that what we chose. He's rich in mercy, and he's rich in grace. And today's January 1st. It's a new year, right? But you and I know that when we follow Christ, it's not just about, well, I'll wait till New Year's and really get clean. Okay? We're supposed to do that every day, right? Whether we eat the bread or drink the cup, we're supposed to have that relationship with him and come clean with him with the things that have embitteredness, embittered us and the people we hold offense against because they deserve it. But the Bible talks about don't, don't have those malice things in our heart. To cast that out, that's sin to us. It's interesting to think about when someone sins against us, we get hurt and we feel like we're innocent. And now the attitude within us from that we're actually sinning, and we're no better off than the person who committed sin against us. So I have to come clean with him. The start of the year is just a kind of a reminder, and that's what Rosh Hashanah is, this Tashlik, it's, it's a reminder. It's a reminder to go to God for forgiveness, and you will find mercy but to confess, to, to examine, to empty your pockets of your life and your heart where you maybe hold some of these things. Over time, different meanings and practices have been ascribed to those who are Jewish and do this. Um, Tashlik during Rosh Hashanah. Sometimes it's a river, sometimes it's a sea. And, and what partly has changed is they write how for some they go to this place of his beautiful creation. They stand there and they see the majestic work of God. Like, who could have pictured this? Who could have created this? Who could have manifested this? Who could have built this? And it would continue to function like this. Nature. It's like Romans chapter 1. You know, there are those who will look upon nature and what has been done, and how could they deny that there's a God? It's their opportunity to come to Him. So, partly what they write is they come and they recognize the majestic 
creation, the one, the beautiful creator. And we see the ugliness of our own life. And it causes us to come to a place to say, oh God, forgive me. I've got to unload everything I've been carrying with me. Even the things I've built as, you know, in my mind as a, a case, a file, a, a, you know, um, a collection of things that, you know, I thought I was okay to feel this way and have this outlook and have this attitude. And I discover that I got to, I got to confess those things and empty and get rid of those things in my life. They're separating me from God. They, they will work is that I will have darkness of thinking and his word will not be in me. And yet I'm here thinking I'm justified and I'm okay with my way. And then we find out that we're not and I don't want to find out in my life. I don't want to find out too late when God's trying to reach us today. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's trying to reach you today. He is, he's trying to reach you today. He's trying to get closer to you today. Yeah. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. Save us. Here's the thing that I want us to bring into our life, if we missed it, is that on our new year, that you and I would seek his forgiveness. We're celebrating communion. We're seeking his forgiveness, not his approval. Not his approval of sin, not his approval of our attitude that we know is wrong and that we try to justify with explanation to convince him, see it my way. No, that I would change and begin to see it his way. He has, he has clear view. He has clear understanding, you and I, we're limited and our understanding is not always as pure and pure truth as we think it is. He comes with grace and mercy for you and I. Listen, <clears throat> he will turn again. He will have compassion upon you. He will subdue your iniquities and mine. He shall cast, bind up, and cast all of our sins into the depth of the sea, where it cannot be retrieved. See, he's not like you and I, where you say you forgive somebody, and you have a relationship with him, and time goes on, and some little squabble or something comes up, and now you bring up the past against them. You go and retrieve it. Oh yeah, hold your thought. <laughs> there that is. <clears throat> Look at this big bad thing you did. You remember? Well, that's what I'm going to use now to win my argument against you. God doesn't do that. He puts it in a place where it cannot be retrieved and a sea of forgetfulness and he separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. I make sure I was pointing the right direction. 
East and West never each, you know, meet each other, right? North and South do. Go around this globe, right? North and South meet. You're traveling north, all of a sudden you're going south. You go east, you're always going east. West, it's, they don't meet. He separates us through Christ, what Christ has done. He has been the sacrifice for me and for you. All my iniquity has been cast on him. You see, the prophecy's right here in Micah. He will, he'll crush, he'll take away the iniquity because he took it upon himself. You see, <laughs> salvation is free for you and I. It's inexpensive, it's free. But it was very expensive for him. Very costly. But he endured it because he was sent to save us because God loves you. Don't make it complex. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Now, when I start to read this, or some of you already know this verse, don't just say, oh, yeah, I know this verse. Listen to it as if it's something you're going to hear for the first time. There is therefore now, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All you sinners who believe in him, the sinner who believes in him as the Son of God, there is no condemnation for all the things we have done, said. We are in Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That's what faith in Christ does for you and I. The great thing is we get to enjoy that freedom to a great degree even now in our life, right? And the eternity will know it in fullness because he's made a way for you and I. 1 John 1.9, before we take communion... I want you to listen to First John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just. Faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He will Take our sins away. And not only forgive us, but get this. He will cleanse us. That's really important. He will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. See, it's one thing to be forgiven and yet left in your mess. Right? It's a whole other thing to be forgiven and now I'm going to clean up your mess. I'm going to clean you from all your unrighteousness. You're forgiven, but I'm going to cleanse you. In other words, you can know you're forgiven, but you don't have to drag all that sin in your past and the residue of it with you. He cleanses us. Some of us, we do the forgiveness part, and we run out like we just, oh, we got forgiven. I feel good. But we're carrying all this residue, our mindset about what life was like. We know we have forgiveness, but we're still thinking the dirty, funky, 
old way that we were. No, He, he forgives and he, he cleanses us of all that. You see, the one He sets free is free for sure. The Bible says indeed. You're free indeed. Thanks for joining us on the LifeCast. It is the ministry of New Life Assembly of God in Sparta, Wisconsin. If you are ever in the area, we would enjoy the opportunity of meeting you. Until then, remember, God is for you, not against you.